Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Admiral Radio, for beginning us in worship with that song, Let Us Go to God in Prayer. God, we give you thanks that you are with us day or night. You are accessible to us in the evening hours, in the middle of the night when we wake and need someone to talk to, you are there. So we come to you and we ask that you would lift 
the burdens that are weighing us down, the shame that we feel, the guilt we may feel, the feelings of inadequacy of not measuring up, the acknowledgement that we have sinned against you and against ourselves and against each other. We go to you in this time of silence, lifting up, confessing the ways that we have sinned. Glory be to the Father, glory be to the Son, glory be to the Spirit, three in one. As it was in the beginning, it will be forever. Amen. 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 Hear now these words of forgiveness. God's promise is sure. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven, which means we get to live in peace. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now for Holy Interruption. Hey, Downtown Church family, this is Danielle. This is Harper. This is Olivia. And Brad Allen, and we have been super busy. With, because we have full-time school, and we do ukulele. And dance, and Girl Scouts. And I've been working and um, doing a lot of professional development and trying to work on self-care and rest. And I've been helping the Art of Real Estate expand and open up the Art of Insurance since the pandemic started. We hope you're all doing well, and we can't wait to see you all in person. Bye. Bye. enjoying this podcast, we invite you to pass it along to a friend who you think might enjoy it too. Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, beginning here with verse 2. Hear now God's word to us today. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. He was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white such that no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. 
Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, saying, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Friends, this is the word of God to us today, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. Maybe you could have guessed that. Not only does it involve climbing a mountain, but it also includes some of the great characters of our faith. And these folks, Elijah, Moses, and Jesus, who's sporting some fresh new clothes, they look like Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay gracing the summit of Mount Everest. And there's something magical that happens on tops of mountains. Something unexplainable shifts in our perspective because of a summit experience. But you don't just get there magically. You have to choose to hike up it. And because of that reality, I'm curious about the first verse. It says, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain. Jesus took with him. Anyone who's ever tried to take their partner to dinner or taken their child to daycare or took their class on a field trip knows that to take can be a bit more complicated, difficult, stressful, and maybe even involve a few more tantrums than the simplicity of the verb makes it seem to be. So I'd like for us to creatively imagine how that conversation could have gone when Jesus tried to suddenly take his disciples on a mountain excursion. I mean, hey, Jesus, I'm, I'm kind of tired. It's, it's still dark. Can I take a, a rain check? Yeah, Jesus, we're, we're not going up that mountain, are we? I mean, Isaiah says that you can make even uneven ground level. So why don't you just do that so we don't have to walk uphill at least? Yeah, it's a little cold. We could just do whatever miracle it is you're planning, maybe inside, or down the, in the synagogue, down the street. Seriously, Rabbi, I've got a golf ball of a blister from following you all over Galilee. So how about we give it another six days of rest and relaxation? I imagine Peter, James, and John weren't all that excited about climbing up a mountain with Jesus. As anyone who has hiked knows, it takes a good bit of work. I've had similar moments sitting on the banks of Ross Lake in North Cascades National Park. It was dinner time, and my co-leader Molly and I were chatting with our group of ninth graders who were along on a week-long backpacking trip. And we were explaining how they should get to bed soon because we would wake up at midnight 
to start a nine-mile hike up 5,000 feet of elevation gain to summit Desolation Peak by sunrise. And the group was, uh, they were less than enthused. Most were tired from days of hiking. Granted, there were a few eager beavers excited about the chance to summit a mountain, but there were also others who were still nursing blisters, mild dehydration, and highly avoidable constipation. I wasn't even all that excited. Just four weeks prior, I had already been up Desolation Peak with a previous group. I was tired too. But we went to bed and woke in the darkness of night and made the decision to start walking uphill. The pace was slow, our headlamps lighting the path through the tall maze of cedar and spruce trees that acted like arrows pointing upwards towards the starry sky. Hour by hour, we hiked until we no longer could see the lake, but only clouds below us. At one point, one of the struggling participants nearly broke down. Resorting to humor, which was actually much appreciated, she shouted, Alexa, climb mountain. Alexa, carry my pack. Many miles and a few more outbursts and chuckles later, at 5 a.m., we reached the top. We sat down, we unwrapped our Snickers bars and watched the most amazing sunrise light up the world. That evening back around the campfire, the most blistered and beaten member of the crew who had earlier cried out to the gods of Jeff Bezos for salvation said this, that was the coolest thing I've ever done. The, the prettiest view I've ever seen. I never thought I would be able to do something like that. I'm so glad I decided to go on this trip. And yes, we have to acknowledge that to make the decision to go on a trip to Washington State and summit a mountain, well, requires a tremendous amount of privilege and financial means but this decision-making process can transcend to even our most mon mundane of choices. And I'd argue that the everyday choices, those are the ones that matter most. Where we turn decisions into habits and habits into culture. As far as we know, Jesus was only transfigured the one time. But maybe, just maybe, he knew that his disciples would have to make choices of whether or not to climb mountains, to face obstacles, and to persevere all throughout their ministry once he was gone. And when it comes to decision-making, as humans, we excel at self-sabotage. I mean, for example, I know that if I wake up early work out, watch the sunrise here in Columbia and read my Bible or even just sit in silence, I feel closer to God. I feel more human, more alive. I feel happier, healthier, and far less anxious. Yet so many times I'm in bed snoozing my alarm 
And then when I do wake up, the first choice I make is not to listen to the birds chirp outside my window or, or to meditate on the aspects of my life that deserve gratitude. But I check my email or I look at Instagram. And for me, that's, that's the wrong choice. It's easy to brush by it, but to witness the transfiguration was a choice by the disciples. And we have choices every single day, choices that affect our relationship with God, choices that affect our relationship with one another, and choices that might better enable us to see Christ more beautifully in the world. If only we would have the courage and take the time to see. Now, I don't want to discount my belief that so often Jesus breaks into whatever we're doing and wakes us up. We certainly have no control over divine revelation. Sometimes God comes and meets us precisely where we are and there's nothing we can do to change it. Thanks be to God for that. Maybe that's happened to you, a moment of epiphany as you were just going about your daily routine. If so, I'd love to hear about it. I mean, it happened to the Samaritan woman as she was filling up water at the well with Mary and Martha when Christ entered into their home and with Zacchaeus when Jesus sees him up in a tree. But here in this text, we see that Jesus also reveals himself fully in places that require us to venture up and out to climb the physical and metaphorical mountains of our lives and ditch the comfort of complacency for the thrill of adventure. One of my favorite authors, Edward Abbey, served as a park ranger in in Arches National Park in the 1960s. He writes in his book, Desert Solitaire, of his frustration with all the visitors who only wanted to see the park from inside the comfort of their cars. Because of this trend, the government had begun building all sorts of new and invasive asphalt roads. And these roads cut into the precious desert landscape. Abby saw this as a tragedy, not only to the very fragile ecosystem, but also to the guests and their experience with the desert itself. He writes, for goodness sake, folks, what is this life if we have no time to stand and stare? Take off your shoes for a while. Dig your toes into the hot sand. Feel that raw and rugged earth. Split a couple of big toenails. Draw blood. Why not? And walk, walk, walk upon our sweet and blessed land. Ultimately, Abby writes that sitting in their cars, stuck in their zones of comfort, they have exchanged a great and unbounded world for a small, comparatively meager one. They've exchanged a great and unbound world for a small, meager one. What if the disciples had decided to sleep in and not join Jesus? What would they have missed out on? 
What are we missing out on every day? Every time our eyes are glazed over looking at multiple screens and our ears are overstimulated by loud artificial noise. John Kapit-Zinn, an expert of mindfulness, was being interviewed by Oprah. In that interview, he said, if you look, if you miss the look in your child's eyes one day, you've missed it. If you miss the look in your lover's eyes one day, you've missed it. If, if you miss the beauty of sitting under a tree, you've missed that. And if you sum all that up over your lifetime, you might end up missing the most beautiful, holy aspects of your life. What are we missing? What mountains, large and small, are we passing by each and every day? What opportunities for deliberate adventure are we ignoring and simply choosing rather to to stick with the status quo of autopilot? I mean, I like, I wonder, I wonder, is, is Christ out there? Is Christ just beyond the next switchback, standing atop the summit, ready to be seen more fully by us, ready to be transfigured, waiting for us to get up the grit and resilience to climb this mountain? Truth be told, I don't know. But there's only one way to find out. Amen. Well, the road rolls out like a welcome mat to a better place in the womb.
don't matter to me wherever we are where I wanna be yeah honey for once in our life let's take our chances and roll the dice I can be your lucky penny you can be my four leaf clover starting over Lucas. Hello, Dawn. I really enjoyed that sermon. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> it made me want to go hike a mountain. Yeah, I think that was kind of the point. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about the trip you led with these youth, getting them up at midnight and walking, hiking up a mountain um, in the dark? And I'm mostly curious, like, did you feel safe? Um. Yeah, no, for, we definitely felt safe. We we sang a lot on the way up. Um, it, I mean, it was dark. We had our headlamps. The The only thing I was afraid of was like mountain lions. Right before we started the trip, um, a mountain lion had attacked a few people outside of Seattle, kind of near where we were going. And so that was the only worry on my mind. But we stayed together. We sang. We uh, we made it through slowly but surely. Uh, it, was, it was awesome. I'd never hiked that far in the darkness. There's something, uh, it's just a different experience. The, the forest sounds different at night. It's it's cooler, it's it's quieter, but it's also different things are alive at night and you kind of see that. It's kind of like working at a hospital at night. You see that there's just different things happening. It's, it was really awesome. I mean, there's, that's a pretty big fear, right? Mountain lion, you know, <laughs> you're like entrusted with people's youth. They're, they're young people. And <laughs> you're aware that you're not alone in, in the wilderness walking up the side of a mountain. On the, on the way back down. So, th- I mean, that was one thing I didn't even talk about in the sermon. Like, so we got up there and it was awesome, but then we had to hike all the way back down in that same day. Uh, Cause we really only had our day packs like with water and snacks and we were pulling, walking into our campsite and there was a brown bear. Um, it was a black bear, but it was brown and it was just walking and just kind of like probably 30 yards in front of us. And we all started clapping, like trying to get it away, but we were so tired that it was like the least enthusiastic clap. It was like, Hey bear. (laughs) And the bear looked at us and just kept wandering on. Like it's, we're not as important as we think we are. Sometimes the bear's like, I'm looking for food. Get out of here. It's a good lesson right there. (laughs) Learning from the bears. All right, Lucas, I'm curious, and um, people listening might be too. Have you always loved hiking? Uh, I think Boy Scouts was where I really started. Like my parents, we would grow up going on hikes, and uh, I think Boy Scouts was the opportunity to go places uh, where not many people have been, go travel light uh, just to feel to feel your body, to feel the pains and blisters, but also like the satisfaction after a long day. It's like the same as going on a long run or a long bike ride. When you're done, you're tired, but you feel accomplished and you feel like you've done something that that's very human. Uh, so I think it was in probably middle school, uh, Boy Scouts. I had the opportunity in high school to go to a place called Philmont, New Mexico, a 12-day backpacking trip with 
10 other guys. I was the crew leader and we just had a blast. Uh, I was talking to James Chavez, one of our church members who grew up out there in New Mexico. And it's, it's, that's God's country. I mean, uh, the, de- the desert, uh, you, I mean, who was it? Edward Abbey said, uh, in the desert, uh, God is there and man is not. Because mm. you can't live out there, but you can visit. And it's really a great place to visit. Mm. It's a good tie-in to your transfiguration story where so often humans don't live at the tip top of mountains because it's not conducive to that. You need water. But so often we encounter God up there. Um, I'm... It's interesting. So you're you're a certified wilderness instructor. Did I get that right? A wilderness first responder. First, res- that sounds even better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wilderness first responder. And um, one of the things that we've been really excited about is you being able to share that strength and that leadership quality with downtown church. And uh, I know you tried to lead a wilderness trip um, when you got here in the fall and then hurricane came through and, uh, did away with that plan, but you, you are about to lead a trip in March with some downtown church folks. And so you will take them on a trip in the wilderness. And, and I was just thinking about that and wondering, uh, the people that have said, yes, Hey Lucas, we want to be the Guinea pigs. <laughs> we want to, <laughs> we want to be early adopters and go on this first trip. How has that been? Are people excited about it? Are people nervous? Are they asking a lot of questions? I think people are excited and I, I think it's not going to be much as me taking. I think the spirit's going to take us all and it's going to be, uh, that was uh, smooth right there. By the way. That's good. <laughs> a, no, but seriously, it's, I mean, once you get out there, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what credentials you have. You're, you're a crew, you're a team and, and you've got to learn to navigate and, and live together. If it's a day, a two days, a week, a year, your lifetime, it's, it's kind of this like short experience that, teaches people how to live together. Uh, but overall, people are excited. A lot of people, um, it's about a crew of a dozen or so we've filled out with that number and some who have some experience hiking, some who don't. But one of the questions I asked was, well, what do you hope to feel at the end of this three-day trip? And and the questions just inspire me, or the answers are, I want to feel closer to God. I want to feel my body. I want to feel refreshed. I want to not look at my phone for 72 hours. I've never done that before. Um, and so... I'm, I'm, I'm just excited. And, and hopefully this is the first of many. Um, COVID's thrown a wrench in these plans as it has for many plans. But uh, I think it'll be a great kind of test run for what next fall and future springs and summers could look like and where we can go, what mountains we can climb and maybe what um, opportunities to encounter the divine could look like. So I'm pumped. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about like, you know, people listening, if they're like, oh, maybe, maybe I was too nervous to hit, yes, I want to be on the first <laughs> trip, or I'm just hearing about it for the first time. Um, is it cool if people just reach out to you? Yeah, reach out to me. We'll I'm kind of putting together a list of people that are interested. And, and like I said, just because you weren't uh, able to go on this first one doesn't mean that well, there won't be more in the future. And uh, it's hopefully opening it up to youth at some point too, but starting with adults. So if things do go wrong, which they always will, uh, might we have can, mountain lions. No, or hopefully brown no brown bears. Hopefully no mountain lions. I think like blisters and <laughs> hopefully blisters are the only thing that we encounter on this one. Mm-hmm. Well, I I read one other colleague's sermon um, in preparation for you all preaching on transfer transfiguration this week, and um, she was talking about. Uh, she doesn't lead wilderness trips like you, but she's been on a few hikes and she talks about kind of the blisters and the sore muscles and 
that feeling your body like it, it's not always a pleasant or comfortable experience and not knowing what's coming next, not knowing how many hills are ahead of you. And um, she talks about getting to the top and kind of being in this posture of like a hunched back and mm. really sore and really in pain and suffering. But maybe that's the humble posture that these disciples encounter Christ mm. in this new way. And, um, and, and she talks a little bit too about uh, just the, maybe that's what we're learning through this COVID. You know, she's talking about a parent, like uh, just being exhausted and worn down. And, but maybe that's the humble posture that we are about to see or already are seeing a transfigured Christ. I'm just curious um, what you think about that posture language. I want to hear that sermon this week. Uh, yeah. I, it's funny. Mountains are a, a great equalizer. They, they definitely do some modesty in us. Robert McFarlane, who's this like Scottish climber and author talks about, uh, he's got this great book called Mountains of the Mind, uh, talks about how he was like navigating up a hill in Scotland one day. And he's a really smart guy. He's like, you can't um, use your intellect to make the steep, the cliff any less steep mm. or, or the climb any less difficult. Like you just have to walk. And it's amazing in this day and age where really anything we can accomplish so much. Like I can order my groceries from sitting on my couch. I can send an email. I, all these these powers that we have as humans, you still got to hike up the mountain. You can have really nice hiking boots. You can have a great pack. You can have all this gear that makes it a little easier. But at the end of the day, it's how are we going to put one foot in front of the other? And at the top, I really do think it, it induces a modesty that maybe we as humans have forgotten a bit about that's really necessary in, in our encounters with Christ of, of understanding that uh, mountains are a lot greater than we are and they're a lot older than we are and, and they have t lessons to teach us just as God does and maybe God can teach us lessons through our encounters with these billion-year-old monstrosities that really do declare God's glory in a pretty unique but a powerful way. And yeah, I mean, we see that when tragedies happen on mountains, when when amazing things happen on mountains, it's you approach them with uh, with humility and that we can't control them. Mm. One thing I really appreciate you about you, Lucas, is that you obviously have this um, deep faith connected to, rooted to creation, rooted to being outdoors. And that's so prevalent in who you are as a person, but I love how you're opening it up to other people to get to be a part of that journey. And you're, you're open to how they're going to contribute to this trip. And it makes me think of Peter, James, and John, like they had each other coming out mm -hmm. of that experience to, to talk about, to remember, to build off of. And um, it just makes me grateful uh, that we're not, yes, we have our, our own personal faith journey that we uniquely walk, but it's so wonderful when we get to share it with one another. Yeah, I wonder if if Peter, James, and John, after Jesus died, ever took some other disciples up there and they're like, this is where it happened. Mm. I can't describe it to you, but this, this was where we saw Jesus fully. And and then those disciples passed it down. I mean, and I mean, Mount Tabor still exists. There's still, you can still go hike up it and visit it. And, and the hope is that one, transformed experience will create more. Mm -hmm. And I think outdoor ministry and really any ministry in general has the capability of doing so. Mm. One of these days you're going to come with us too. I'm coming. 
You can bring both babies. Oh, maybe, or I'll leave them at home. <laughs> I'm excited for that day. I really am. Well, let's go to God in prayer. God of Grand Mountain, standing tall, rendering respect, humbling us to our knees, we give you thanks for reminding us of our place, reminding us that the brown bear doesn't always care about us. They're looking for something different. Reminding us that it's okay to get some blisters and some sore muscles, trying something new, attempting to get outside of our comfort zone and get closer to you. We give you thanks that you meet us at every point on our journey, whether we're at the bottom of the mountain or at the top or somewhere in the middle. You're present with us there. And you're always inviting us to take a next step uh, to journey deeper in our in our faith with you. We give you thanks for guides in our midst, for people like Lucas who um, can assure us and point the way and uh, remind us that even, even though we don't have the roadmap or all the answers at this moment, God does, that God is taking us somewhere. I give you thanks for that word. We pray this day, O oh Lord, for those who need you, those who are struggling mentally and physically and emotionally and spiritually right now, um, I pray that you would show up uh, in people, in services, in the ways that people need, um, practically speaking, but also spiritually, to feel heard and healed and close to you. We pray all this, saying the, Lord, saying the prayer that Jesus taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Pick yourself up, kid. Pick yourself up, kid. yourself up, kid. I can't bear the way. Pick your mood up, friend. We don't have the time when you find someone. We don't run away. Pick yourself up, kid. All those books in your head. Is it all there's really Cause you 
Jack Kerouac wrote that in the end, you won't remember the time you spent working in the office or mowing your yard. Because of that, climb that daggum mountain. Friends, that's the call. Climb the mountains around us, physical and metaphorical. Climb the mountains. Who knows what the summit might entail? So friends, go forth into the world in peace. Be of good cheer. Hold fast to that which is good. Render no person evil for evil, but strengthen the fainted-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all persons. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Go in peace. Hallelujah. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me slash give. A special thanks to our technical team and artists of all forms. Musical composition and vocals brought to you by Admiral Radio. Audio mastery by Drew Parker. Jesus cast his eyes on me by Red Mountain Church. Gloria Patry by City Hymns. Starting over by Chris Stapleton. And People Need a Melody by The Head and the Heart. Music covered under the license CCS 11209. Scripture quoted from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible and theological musings and prayer brought to you by Lucas Jones and Dawn Hyde.